Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we're talking about boundaries with Lisa Gormley, a licensed professional counselor with her license in escrow and a coach for Christian women. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to talk about boundaries. I think this is kind of an interesting hot topic for some people. Definitely. Some people like boundaries. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's dive in. If you, um, by starting with just the word boundaries itself, it gets thrown around a lot, I think in conversations today, and it's sometimes in a confusing or misleading way. So can you kind of define for us what exactly is a boundary? Yeah. So Katie, the fact that you even said that it's a hot topic is <laughs> indicative to the fact that something that typically is, um, healthy, maybe clinical in nature, it's in the sphere of therapy and that kind of lingo, uh, gets taken by just, you know, society and we kind of run with it. And sometimes we use those sorts of clinical languages to fit our own narratives. And the reason that I say that is because boundaries are a great thing, Mm -hmm. but we also will talk about how we can see those being abused a little bit and being Mm -hmm. used as sort of a cover for like poor poor personality traits and poor interpersonal skills. Mm -hmm. So boundaries, I mean, if you think of even from a literal sense, like having walls, right. Um, protecting us. And the best way that I've ever heard boundaries described is actually in a parenting book. And the author was describing going over a bridge. Um, and if you were to be going over this really tall bridge, water on either side of you, Mm -hmm. and there was nothing there, it was just, it was a drop off. I mean, how uncomfortable, how nerve wracking and anxiety provoking would that be? You'd be white knuckling it, going super slow. Um, You would just be really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But then imagine if there were really, really clear, tall walls, um, maybe even a guardrail before that wall. And even before that guardrail, you saw a bright yellow line so that Mm. without even looking to to your right and to your left, your peripheral vision knew that those boundaries were there. Even if you thought they blocked the view, even if you thought they were ugly, they still, you knew where you stood and you knew that it kept you safe and you can drive a lot more relaxed and a lot faster probably to get to where you're going. Mm. Um, And that's kind of the most simple, but I think clear ways of of describing a boundary when it comes to relationships and ourselves. I think it's really important to remember that we have boundaries with Mm. ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I love that analogy because I think it's so clear and like people I'm sure are sitting there like envisioning a bridge that they've gone over before. And if it wouldn't mm-hmm. have guardrails and those yellow lines, it's true. You're like, well, this is, this is really scary, but it helps keep us, you know, in the lane and we probably could stay in the lane either way. Right. For some, but it's much easier when we have kind of those guideposts along the way. Um. So tell us what is boundary not? Cause I think there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, boundaries, whatever, you know, they have all these ideas. So what is mm-hmm. not a boundary? That's that a good question. Is. Sure. So like I said um, before, I think that a lot of times we can call a boundary something that's just poor interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. So a boundary is not just simply something that we don't want to do. Now, mm-hmm. people could probably argue that. So when you look at secular psychology and you look at pop psychology um, and you look at sort of the the egocentric approaches to interpersonal relationships that claim that you need to be happy It's your truth, your space, and everyone else is kind of living around it. And they may not say it in those words. They might dress it up as much as they want. It's about finding your own happiness and all that. Mm -hmm. But what's beautiful that that we know um, as Christians that that we are 
oriented to be in communion with everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. With mother church. That's, that's what it is. We're the body of Christ. We're not all of these individual little spliced up parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so important to remember. And that doesn't mean that we allow anything goes and we allow um, people to inflict pain on us or um, create un- unnecessary suffering and things of that nature. But what it does mean is that our own simple desires just for the sake of, of preference and maybe even discomfort um, is not necessarily, um, it doesn't qualify as a boundary, right? Mm-hmm. You can call it whatever you'd like um, to dress it up, but sometimes that just might mean um, being unkind. And, you, you know, every time I talk about things like this and it sounds kind of ambiguous, everyone likes to fill in their own scenario in mm-hmm. how I'm sure. describing it. And so they're coming up in their head like, well, but you don't understand. Well, exactly. There's, there is so much subjective, you know, um, variables in it. And I think that's really important. And so to follow up that question, like what a boundary is not, I can't give this clear cut answer of this is a boundary and this is not, we can give guidelines, but it's really important to always seek outside counsel, um, whether that's a therapist or even just a really good friend. To, mm-hmm. to kind of bounce things off of people. There's actually a phrase in the Bible or a, a passage in the Bible, and now I'm blanking. I should have wrote it down. Um, but essentially to the, to the effect of woe is the person who um, has fallen, you know, mm-hmm. be that sin or otherwise, and they don't have a person um, mm-hmm. there to, to lift them up. Yes. Um, and so I think that's really indicative of, um, again, community, being in community with other people. Uh, mm-hmm. But I hope that gives sort of a basic uh, overview of, sure. of what is not a boundary, right? Sure. I think so. And I think too, like to your point, it's hard to give like very, very specifics because it this could be a little bit subjective in the sense of some people need different things. And for some, a certain boundary that they claim might be a selfish thing. And for others, it might actually be a boundary that they need for a healthy living, for being able to give up themselves, that kind of a thing too, right? Like so there's some nuance there in terms of- Oh my gosh, yeah. Them, right? So much. We've got Father's Day coming up at, at mm-hmm. the time that we're recording this. Father's Day is this coming Sunday. And there are going to be people that do not attend a family gathering on Father's Day. Sure. Now, for one person, that is absolutely the healthy thing. Um, they absolutely need that for themselves, for their family. And for another person, it's actually the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And it's an inappropriate boundary where it's not a boundary at all. And it's just personal preference. And it's unkind and uncharitable. Sure. And I don't know those details, right? And so- right it really just is up to the person in prudence and spiritual discernment and um, yeah, working with other people. Great. I think that segues perfectly into the next question of like, okay, then what makes a boundary healthy or unhealthy, right? This Father's Day example is a perfect one. Like how do we, how can we discern and and Mm -hmm. determine like, okay, this is a healthy boundary for us. This is what my family needs. This is what I need. And actually this is me just being selfish. How do Mm -hmm. I decide that? Good question. So the first thing that I would ask someone is who and or what is this boundary serving? Mm. And ideally the boundary should also be serving the one who it's for. Mm-hmm. And that, that has, that it remains true whether or not that person actually agrees with, or even is happy with the boundary, right? Cause how many times, I mean, look at, look at children when they're doing something that's unhealthy for them, everything, mm-hmm. this is, this is why he wants us to become like little children, because when you <laughs> go through parenting books and you raise little children, you realize very quickly that we are all still, it, 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 the, the same theories apply. 
when they do things like they're eating sand, right? And you ask them not to do it. And maybe you even remove them from the sandbox. Like they're going to be kicking and screaming, but you know that it's actually good for them. And you know that I'm not just doing this because I don't want to clean them up. I'm doing this because it's actually going to serve my children to remove them from the sandbox. Mm-hmm. And that gets the, the sort of like level of, of deep, right? Like how, how deep that relationship is depends on the relationship. Cause you could be holding a boundary with your boss. You could be holding a boundary with a complete stranger, mm-hmm. um, or it could be with like your spouse or with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so asking those deeper questions, again, depending on sort of like the severity of the issue going on or the, the deepness and, and history of the relationship is who or what is a serving? Is this aligned with what God wants of me and for this other person to the best of my knowledge? Mm. Um, it's kind of a, a vague answer too, right? But yeah. it's because there's no black and white answer in any person, article, pop psychology, anything that tries to claim that it is like, here's a good boundary and here you can do, if you decide this, then that's it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it makes you happy and it protects your peace, you know, you're not responsible for anyone. That diminishes the subjectivity of human nature and relationships. And mm-hmm. we know that we're a little more complex than that, right? Mm-hmm. I think to that point too, of like, it's not just about like, oh, this makes me happy. So therefore that's a boundary. Like, and I feel like that's so true in our culture society today that it's just like, well, whatever makes you happy, just do that. But like, we need to think also like long-term happiness, like what's going to long-term make me happy, not like in the moment, make me happy. So like the father's day example, again, like long-term maybe going is what's really going to be what's best Mm -hmm. short-term. Maybe I'm like, I don't want to do that. Right. Like that's not going to be, it's going to be hard. And so we need to be able to to think long-term happiness and that kind of thing and not fall into that societal idea of like, Oh, just right now, whatever's happy great. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cause you know, you're, you are playing for the long game. I mean, if you, the longest game we're playing for heaven, right. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean sacrificing ourselves like to the point of um, like creating our own crosses that are not from God and, right. you know, diminishing our own self-respect and, and taking care of our bodies. But it does mean, okay, can I use this small, um, you know, opportunity as spiritual growth and put myself in a less than ideal situation, but it's still safe. It's not toxic. It's just right. undesirable. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's not abusive, then yeah, I might, I might kind of grit my teeth and go through it for maybe the sake of um, my children or mm-hmm. for, you know, whatever other um, longer term benefit or reward that we can see from it. And that's usually existential, right? Sure. When we can't. And that's why like the secular world doesn't always understand that because mm-hmm. it is, it is something far more uh, spiritual and it is, has to do with way beyond this world that we're living in now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm sure people are listening now. And I remember even too, when I heard boundaries for the first time, I was like, uh, how do I figure out my boundaries? Like, how do I go about determining the boundaries that I need in my life? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm good. Right. So how, how do we start kind of noticing those and setting those or even acknowledging that maybe we have some that we need? Mm -hmm. So symptoms, just like physical symptoms are always indicative of a, of a bigger problem. Mm. So we hear the word triggers. That's another buzzword, right? Let's just, instead of saying triggers, let's just say symptom, right? So let's say that every time you hang out with, um, you know, your friend Susie, 
and you come home, you're just in a really crummy mood Mm. and you're really agitated and you notice yourself starting to be more negative or you just kind of feel just, you know, down in the dumps. Mm -hmm. That's a symptom right there. If you notice that over and over, every time you spend time with this person, something about it makes you unhappy or maybe not like yourself or maybe find resentment about her. Um, maybe you're talking about it, like you'll notice these. And I'm sure that anyone listening can kind of evaluate, like, what are those times that just shake me from my normal routine? Mm -hmm. Um, especially when it has to do with people that have been in our life for quite a long time and it's become very, um, normal for us. And so a lot of times it's someone that we love that points out that symptom, like, you know, maybe you come home and your spouse is like, gosh, every time you hang out with Susie, it's like you come mm-hmm. home and you pick a fight with me, right? Right. Um, so things like that would be really indicative. What are sort of like your triggers? What are your symptoms that, um, what are your like the spiritual attacks that are happening in your sensitivities? Sure. And then really getting to um, understand the source of them and then being able to to process them. Ideally, if you can find like a good Catholic, a good Christian therapist, Mm-hmm. Um, to really go through a process and uncover to actually heal from it. Because something that is a sort of hard pill, at least for me to swallow about boundaries is it leaves all the work up to you and none up to the other person. Sure. Because yeah. a boundary is really effectively communicating. You can do what you want to do. I don't have control over you, right? Which we know that like biblically, I have no control over you, but I do have control over what I do. And I'm going to explain to you the consequence of if you infringe on mine, here's how I'm going to remove myself or I'm going to remove access to me or to my children or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And you have no expectation. You might have hope and desire, but you have no expectation that they are actually going to mm-hmm. change. Um, you can have a full expectation. Um, I'm sorry. You can have a full desire that they respect your boundary, but you don't even have a full expectation that they do that. But it doesn't matter because you're the one that's actually holding up and enforcing that. And you're actually respecting their autonomy by doing Mm -hmm. that, but Mm -hmm. you're respecting your autonomy as well. Um, And being sort of like, I don't even want to use the word enforcer because it's so much more passive than that. It's more like, Hey, um, you know, an example that I want to share this book in a moment, but an example in this, in this book uh, called boundaries is, um, you know, if you let your, your neighbor use your garden hose and they leave it all strewn on the lawn, um, and just like, don't take care of it. Mm -hmm. Um, then, you know, you have the opportunity right there. Here's an example of how one boundary could be, you know, uh, adequate for one person. And and it could be inadequate for another person that could be one person doesn't care that the hose is on the ground. Right. They don't, they really don't care. And the other person is like, you know what? No, that's not okay. That's destroy- destroying my property or it's putting it in harm's way. I could run over it with a mower. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they might tell their neighbor, you know, you could leave my hose like that next time if you wanted to. Sure. But if you do that, I need to explain that I'm not going to allow you access to my hose again. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you continue coming um, and using my hose, then I'm not going to allow you access to my property. So mm-hmm. notice too that there's like varying levels sure. of boundaries as you know you're kind of allowing someone a little bit of freedom and flexibility Mm -hmm. but if they continue to push your boundaries and test them and not respect them then you might kind of evaluate so it's always an evaluation process and constantly Mm -hmm. trying to understand what is necessary what is good and what you're being called to do in that moment sure 
Absolutely. Um, I wonder if we can circle back to the Susie example too. Like what would be some boundaries that you could set in that example where, you know, you hang out with her and then you come home and you're super negative and, you know, like mm -hmm. in, a, in a follow mood, like what would be, what could some of those boundaries look like? Cause I'm sure obviously they're going to differ based on everybody, but to give some examples. Sure. So the first step I think would really be trying to understand yourself where that's coming from. Because one person might be hanging out with Susie and Susie is a great person and they have a lot of success in their life. Maybe, maybe they just recently got married or, you know, they're going through things that are really happy and that's actually really triggering for you. She's not saying it in a way that's being unkind, uncharitable, or trying to rub it in your face. Mm -hmm. She cares about you quite a bit. Um, but maybe you feel very triggered by it. Sure. And, and in that case, right, then that would be an opportunity, not necessarily for a boundary, but for you to sort of reconcile with what's going on. What do those symptoms mean in your life? Mm -hmm. Now, if you are hanging out with Susie and she really likes to talk about other people mm -hmm. and she's really negative um, and you notice that when you leave, oh, I feel like I talk really negative about people, right? When I'm, when I'm talking with her, the mm -hmm. first step would there would be, well, don't talk negatively about people. You can't control her. But the first step that you can do is try and change the subject. Sure. And then as situations change and arise and opportunities where you've maybe tried to change the subject, then it would be more like, okay, we really need a boundary. You might need to verbalize like, hey, mm -hmm. listen, I don't get to catch up with you that much. I really just want to talk about you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to harp on other people. I don't want to talk about their problems. I want to talk about you. Mm -hmm. And there is like a really kind and charitable way of sort of deflecting. It's not that we're yeah. avoiding. It's just like we're giving her the benefit of the doubt that she might respond like, oh, my gosh, yes, I know. Right. Like I always find myself doing this. And then, boom, that's taken care of. And you might have to have gentle reminders. We all do. We're sure. human. Mm -hmm. But then if you find yourself confronted and she really just does not want to talk about anything positive or maybe she gets really defensive, you know, then you can say something along the lines of, you know, it sounds like that's it's. I'm, you were a little bit offended by the fact that I didn't want to talk about other people. Um, you're free to speak about people in any way that you want privately or with other people, but I'm not going to sit here and engage in a conversation that's speaking in a derogatory way about people that we know or people that we don't know. Sure. So if you want to talk about our future, if you want to talk about fun memories, I would love to talk about that with you. But if mm -hmm. you choose to continue to do this, I'm not going to engage and I might have to get up and leave. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, or even going further, like, you know, I'm not going to get together um, or I'm not going to schedule with you if you feel like you're in a place that you can't, um, you know, speak positively. Doesn't mean people can't talk about being sad or being angry or those kind of things. But, you know, we can constructively talk about maybe an interpersonal issue that you're having, but we're not going to gossip. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are kind of varying levels of trying to understand, like, sure. you know, who has the power here or who has the responsibility and then at what point is, is their behavior is starting to infringe on your own autonomy? Is that difference clear? Yeah, I think so. For sure. Um, I think it's interesting too, how, you know, all these different kind of scenarios that you gave communicating the boundary was not a matter of saying, wait, this is a boundary I'm drawing, right? Like, it's not like kind mm -hmm. of like flashing that, but it's more like subtly being like, Hey, like this is like moving the conversation, like stating, mm -hmm. the, stating the boundary, but without being like. I don't know, using that societal phrase now, like this is my boundary, 
Right. right. You, you're not going to have a lot. I'm going to be really honest. You would not have a lot of friends if you spoke the way that some of these quotes, yeah. I think that they're good jumping points. Yes. But, you know, and, and I also, if, if you are someone that really struggles with um, confrontation or like, and you do need to rehearse a little bit, I really encourage you to like rehearse with another person or say it out loud or record yourself saying it because mm-hmm. when we read it from a book, um, even like I caught myself, like I would be working with clients in therapy and I would give examples, but then I would think in my head, would I say it like that in person? Mm. Or would someone be like, okay, Lisa, like you're being a total nub, like what are, what are you doing? Exactly. I'm like, okay, well, and it depends on the relationship. You're, if you're speaking right. with a boss, um, you can be a lot more formal and you can sure. be you know, a lot more clear cut and concise when you're speaking to a really good friend that maybe has a long history that they would be taken off guard and confused we got to give them a chance and we want to be authentic without feeling like, you know, we're speaking down to them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately this all comes back to just communicating well, right? Like Mm -hmm. having those conversations, learning how to communicate these, these boundaries that you have without hurting another person, but like really having that dialogue and that conversation, um, with them, which is great. Yeah. It's an act of kindness and charity. It's saying that I'm not going to just ghost you. I actually value either my position in this relationship and or this relationship period. Mm -hmm. And I value it enough to want to put effort and work into it because I don't want to just slowly, um, you know, stop calling. I don't want this to slowly lead to a divorce. I don't want this to slowly lead to just absence in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, another common question, like, well, are they, are boundaries kind? I mean, certainly I I would say that boundaries in a healthy version by definition, are kind. They're actually the loving thing to do that we're called to do. Um, just like, you know, our, our, our skin is a boundary of our body. Everything about our world and society is set up so that boundaries are protective of us. They're not constricting, they're protecting and encouraging to live more open and free and fruitful lives as God created it, right? Like, um, in fact, if I could just read to you for a second. Yeah. Um, so the book that I'm reading from, it's the best book that I can, it's, it's actually from a Christian perspective. It's called Boundaries mm-hmm. by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. If you know anything about boundaries, I'm sure everyone has read this book yep. um, and probably have a million notes in it. But there's a, um, a paragraph in it that I think does a really good job of explaining the root of it. Mm. So the concept of boundaries comes from the very nature of God. God defines himself as a distinct separate being and he is responsible for himself. He defines and takes responsibility for his personality by telling us what he thinks, feels, plans, allows, will not allow likes and dislikes. He also defines himself as separate from creation and from us. He differentiates himself from others. He tells us who he is and who he is not. For example, he says that he is love and that he is not darkness. In addition, he has boundaries within the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Spirit are one, but at the same time, they are distinct persons with their own boundaries. Each one has his own personhood and responsibilities, as well as a connection with and love for another. God also limits what he will allow in his yard. He confronts sin and allows consequences for behavior. He guards his house and will not allow evil things to go on in there. He invites people in who will love him, and he lets his love flow outward to them at the same time. The gates of his boundaries open and close appropriately. So notice, I love the idea of having gates and that the fact that they open and close, that's flexible. That's not pushover. Mm -hmm. Um, That's good discernment. And that's good openness to life and to forgiveness and change and being, you know, part of the body of Christ as opposed to being rigid. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. I think too, even, you know, after reading this book and having conversations with some people, I've still have heard people say like, okay, but like, aren't we supposed to be pouring ourselves out in the service of others like Christ did, right? Like Christ, mm-hmm. his three years of public service, like he's jetting all over the place. He's curing all the people. They're bringing in, you know, people by the mm-hmm. masses. So how, how are boundaries kind of compatible with the Christian faith of like being another Christ in the middle of the world? How do, how do those two gel well together? Yeah. Well, what does Matthew tell us? Let your no be no and your yes be yes. And I mean, look at Jesus' ministry. Like it was covered in boundaries. They had to in order to have an effective ministry. In fact, you know, how many times did he have different apostles do different things that they were really uncomfortable doing, but that was what they needed to do within their ministry. Now they were always free to leave. Like the apostles were always free to leave and they were always invited in. He never said, you know, he would never uh, force anybody to join that ministry, mm-hmm. but he did have clear boundaries that this is what I want you to teach. This is where I want you to teach and who I want you to teach it to, um, and how I want you to deliver that. Now there was always free will there, right? But there's also this, um, you know, reliance. There's there's two components I think to a boundary, especially is how um, in Christ's ministry we see it. It's an understanding and admittance of our own free will is a gift. Mm-hmm but not reliance on our own free will because in God's divine providence, he saves us. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have this free will that I need, that I'm obliged to um, utilize as taking care of the body that I was given as a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I'm offering this up to God's divine plan in however he wants me um, to live my life, be that in relationships and otherwise. Um, And I I mean, ask yourself, like you have to have boundary against sin and temptation, right? Like we don't tiptoe at like the edge of a cliff to see how close to sin we can get. We've all heard that, right? How close Mm -hmm. do we get? It's the wrong question to ask. Right. So having boundaries um, as to who we spend time with and what we do. And again, it doesn't mean I am never going to be around someone that is sinful. Okay. He would live a hermit life, (laughs) but it means that, you know, I may not give of myself in a way that would ever uh, seem to condone, you know, something that offends God or it is going to harm me or my family, mm-hmm. um, which is never something um, that we're called to do. And in Proverbs um, 22, three, the prudent see danger and take refuge. Mm-hmm. So it would be, you know, it would be so unwise for us to just like, I'm just going to blindly walk into, you know, <laughs> the shadows of, no, we want to actually recognize where there's danger and step back from it so as to not risk ourselves to risk our souls. And I mean that on a really big existential level. And I mean that on like an interpersonal level too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think too, when you start kind of praying about boundaries and looking at, you know, scenes from the gospel and stuff, you start to see more and more moments in which you see Jesus even living them, right? Like he's curing all these people, they're crowding around and around him in all levels. And he's like, I need to go off to a quiet place by myself and like recoup and pray. Right. Boundary. Yeah. Boundary. He could have kept curing people. There were enough people for him to keep curing. It's not like he was like, okay, done with that. Like now, no, like Mm -hmm. he had those two because that's what he needed. Right. Mm -hmm. Even needed, even as God. Right. Um, Think about the lack of speech too, during his, um, when he was arrested, like how, sure. how often, and I'm also referring to, to like cinematic uh, renditions of the of passion, but he's very quiet. He doesn't yeah. say much. And sometimes like, I remember as a kid being like, 
you know, when he's when he's talking with Pontius Pilate, he just kind of yeah. gives him the silent treatment. And yeah. I'm like, just tell him, tell him everything, you know, because it seemed like he was looking for it. Like, please give me something that will let me release you. Yeah. Um, he had a boundary up, right? He had, this is what must happen. And I am not going to change what I say or how I say it or repeat myself. If I feel sure. like ask anybody, I've already said what I needed to say. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to repeat it. And he didn't say that in so many words, but right. that was a boundary. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one more question I was thinking as we're talking, you've mentioned several times kind of having boundaries with self. And I'm curious, what does that look like? Like, I think it's much easier for us to think of boundaries with others, right? The person in our life who gossips too much, the difficult in-law, the whatever, um, coworker. But what about boundaries with self? What does that really mean and look like? I think it's different depending on our different vices. Sure. But, you know, examples of like buckets of that would be, you know, having boundaries. The, the first thing a lot of people will think of would be um, like intimacy or purity, so mm-hmm. we think of ourselves, you know, before we're married, um, as we are, you know, striving for purity, we might have certain, you know, boundaries with ourselves um, about, you know, opportunities that could lead into temptation, for example. Sure. And it's really interesting because um, in this book, they talk about not making an idol of free will, meaning mm-hmm. this idea that you can just say no, because then you're not relying on the, the um, fact that we need Christ, that he died to save us and that we can't do that alone without him. Sure. And so it's not, it's not total dependence on the will, but it's the will in communion with um, knowing that we need to be saved by him. Um, and you can look at it with, you know, alcohol, you know, someone that struggles with alcohol, maybe they have a history, maybe their family history with alcohol. And so they hold a boundary with themselves that um, I'm actually not even going to allow myself to go into certain um, restaurants or any bars, maybe past a certain time or on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, they might make a boundary with themselves not to go to certain get togethers when they know that those particular friends tend to, you know, drink more than they would like mm-hmm. because they don't want to just go and say, I'm just not going to drink. Right. They hold a boundary with themselves and know, you know what? I don't even want to put myself in that situation. Like I value myself more, which the more you go into these boundaries with self, it, reflects how charitable they actually are. Because I mean, imagine if you were doing that with another person, like, Hey, I think that you actually have a problem with alcohol and I'm actually not going to engage with you or, or, you know, go have uh, dinner with you at a place that's more like a bar. I don't think that's the loving thing to do. And I'm not going to do that. You know, mm-hmm. someone, if, when you look at it from that perspective, it, you can tell how charitable it is. Mm-hmm. It could be with finances. Like you could say, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to uh, Vegas and I'm just gonna, you know, do a couple, just to throw just a couple of games. That's all I'll do, you know? Um, Or I'm just going to go because it's my friend's bachelor party and I don't really have a problem, but I want to be there for him. Right. Mm. That might not be a great boundary for you. You might have to hold the boundary of saying, I actually can't go. I don't think that um, I want to be like, you know, toting that line. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we can do that with food. We can do that with any other kinds of habits. Um, and also with our mind too. So as a therapist, I'm really big on the thoughts that we allow mm. into our brain and the thoughts that we allow to kind of like take root. And there's two really wonderful Catholic psychologists. Um, one is a therapist, one is a psychologist. Um, it's uh, the Restore the Glory podcast. If you've heard of Dr. Bob Schutz and Dr. Jake, or I'm sorry, Jake Kim, I think is a, a master's level, but he's a therapist. Mm-hmm. And they talked about the difference of thoughts and um, there's birds that just kind of fly by. You mm-hmm. notice them. 
there's birds that try to like land on us and kind of like create a scuffle with us. And then there's a bird that lands on us and like takes nest. Sure. And like, that's kind of the different levels of thoughts. Like it's, it's okay if some thoughts fly by, right. but a boundary that we might hold ourselves is I'm not going to allow the opportunity for this thought to like sit and, and actually nest in here and like take up space in my brain. Um, so there's so many mental and spiritual boundaries that we can hold with ourselves. Like I'm not going to go down this route um, of feeling triggered. Maybe I see this video. I'm not going to keep watching these videos that are making me so distressed or this news or mm-hmm. I'm not going to keep talking with this person because it really is starting to, um, you know, take over and and produce these negative thoughts. So those are just some examples of kind of like the big distinctions in different pockets of areas of our life that we really do need to hold boundaries with ourselves. Um, And it's difficult to do sometimes because we are so focused on boundaries being relational that we don't Mm -hmm. realize that we have a relationship with ourselves too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and that was great. That was like super clear with lots of different examples. So, so I'm sure everyone has heard at least one thing that they're like, Oh, that's me. Like I can do that. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, I can find one there. Um, for sure. So we're almost out of time, Lisa. I wonder, is there any last kind of words of wisdom you want to share with us about boundaries in general or any ideas that you, we didn't touch on that you want to make sure that they hear? Yeah. Okay. So the last thing that I will say, and this is someone who does this myself, we, when we, let a boundary down or we don't implement a boundary because we think it's the most charitable thing to do. Mm. And we just grit our teeth and we smile through the pain and we let things happen anyway. That is not the Christian way Mm. because even though you're outwardly relinquishing control, you are 99.999% likely to still be harboring it in your body. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not where we want it to live. It doesn't mean that we need to enforce like every feeling or thought that comes by and like outwardly express that, like even to the mailman or something. But it means that do not think that just holding it and shoving it inside, that's the virtuous thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, There is always a balance and that there's not typically virtue in any extreme. And so you have to find the balance of processing that so that when you do say, you know what? you can use my gardening hose and leave it a mess because you've come to the conclusion that your neighbor has a lot going on. Mm. And even though it's frustrating to you, you don't feel like this is abusive or toxic mm-hmm. and you feel like it's an annoyance that you can kind of swallow and take on your cross. Mm-hmm. So you decide, you know what? I am going to let that, I'm going to put that boundary down a little bit and I'm going to feel good about it mm-hmm. as opposed to, fine, I'm going to go to Father's Day and everyone's going to be drinking in front of my kids and it's a really unhealthy situation. And this is just, I guess, the the Christian thing to do to not ruffle any feathers, right? Mm. But you're probably harboring it even deeper inside and you're you know, not leaving um, with a sense of peace or being there with a sense of peace. So I hope that distinction, I'm a recovering one of those. And so I hope that that distinction helps if people still feel like boundaries are like the unkind or uncharitable thing to do. Sure. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so we will link to all the books and the podcast you mentioned in the show notes for sure. And if anyone wants to find you online or learn more, how can they do that? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I'm just now entering out after a little hibernation, but it's uh, my full name, all one word, Lisa Rose Gormley. Um, and hopefully I will be blogging up again soon, but I also provide 
coaching. I'm on pause for the summer, but if anyone is interested to just kind of keep up and when I open up um, for new clients towards the end of summer in the fall, they're welcome to work with me, not in a therapeutic capacity. I am on pause while I'm raising my kids right now with therapy, but I can do coaching on short of sort of short-term, um, you know, career related and family and vocational things. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Lisa, so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. If you enjoyed it, there are a few quick things you can do to support us. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.